Hello, everyone. I'm Elizabeth Porter, your language lady, and thank you for joining me on this week's episode of the Bon Voyage Language Experience podcast. How is everybody doing out there? Um, it has been quite a week here at Bon Voyage. I have just, I feel like I've been so unproductive. It's amazing. Um, my computer <laughs> crashed on me like massively, massively crashed on me yesterday to the point where I had I was working on uh, the language with the five senses training course. For those who um, were going to become certified to teach language with the five senses and my computer crashed and I lost everything, hours and hours of work. Oh, my gosh. So I've been working on that more today and um, just, you know, stuff's been going on with my kids at school and I I uh, was I've been out in classrooms this week, which, by the way, I love going out into classrooms. I was uh, I was observing this week um, in a couple of different Spanish classes. And uh, yeah, we got we had some work to do in those Spanish classes, but the teachers were extremely nice and let me come in and do some demonstrations. And I got those kids up and moving. And I actually it was funny because it was a Spanish class. But in order to demonstrate what I wanted to demonstrate, I had to teach them a little bit of French. So anyway, it was it was really fun. And I, I really love working with those teachers and doing those um, coaching sessions and all of that. So that was great. And so I, I'm just really, I, I just am thankful that I, I got out um, of the office this week and and got out into classrooms because that's that's my bread and butter right there. That's what I really love. So anyway, on to our topic today. So today I am going to talk about travel, specifically why you should take your children traveling or why you should travel and also why people don't travel. And travel is an extremely important part of education of a person. And in, it's also an important part of skill building. And so I'm going to talk about that a little today. And I want to start with a couple of stories. So when I, whenever I give this talk, I, I give a talk called Making the World Your Classroom. And really, I believe that travel is the ultimate education. You learn so, so, so much from travel. And it was really important to me that when I had children, that my children have the same education and experience that I had because I was extremely lucky. In fact, I'll tell you this year, I'm going to reveal my age here, but this year I'm turning 40. Oh my gosh. I feel so old. I'm turning 40. I can't even believe like how how it could be that I'm turning 40. But anyway, those of you who are already 40 are probably laughing at me. But for me, this is like a huge deal. And France is my happy place. Like there is no place in this world that makes me happier. I am a giddy little girl when I go to France. I mean, really, seriously, I get on the plane and I'm so excited. I hate flying, but um, I am just like there is no place that invokes pure joy for me more than France. So uh, this year and every every spring I go for um, meetings because we have a partnership with a school that I've spoken about before called Cavilam in Vichy, France. So every year I go in the spring for 
annual meetings. And then I'm there again in the summer. So this year I have decided that that trip is going to happen during the week of my birthday. And so I am going to be in my happy place on what I'm calling my sad birthday because (laughs) I don't want to turn 40. I don't want to be 40. Like that's literally that's middle age right there. 40. So anyway, I know I'm being silly, but I get to be in my happy place on my birthday. And here's what I was thinking about when I was planning this, because I'm actually going to take my best friend as well. Um, with me so that I can, you know, go to my meetings and then, um, we'll go and, um, my best friend and I have been friends since we were four years old. And so we'll go like hang out, go out for dinner, just, you know, a really fun trip with my best friend. So anyway, um, here's what I was thinking. I was thinking, you know, I'm turning 40 and how lucky am I that I have had the opportunity in my life to get to be 40 years old and know where my happy place is and have a passion for something. We were discussing at dinner uh, the other night about, you know, my son was saying, um, you know, how do you, how do you know what you want to do when you're older? Like, how do you know what you love? And I told him, I said, you know, when you, you can be whatever you want, because he said, I really, this is what he said to me. And this makes me so sad that he said this, but he said to me, he goes, I love music. You know, like I said, I talked about a couple weeks ago, or maybe it was last week. I talked, I talked about Daniel and how he can hear music and just play it. And he said to me, I love music. I want to be a musician. I really, really, really want to be a musician, but I can't be a musician. And I looked at him and I said, well, why can't you be a musician, Daniel? What, what is keeping you from becoming a musician? He said, well, because I won't make any money as a musician. I'll be poor. I mean, how sad is it that somewhere, and that's not what I teach my kids, you know, I said to him, I said, Daniel, you study what makes you happy because honestly, happiness and, and good mental health, positive mental health are so important. And how sad is it that we have had the, the the fact that you can't make enough money doing something deter us from following our passion and following what we love to do. And I am so passionate about language and culture And I'm so passionate about it that I created myself a job that I could do all the time. Do I make a lot of money doing it? Um, No, I make almost nothing, but I love it and it fulfills my life. And I told him, I said, you know what? You will find a way. If you love it and it's your passion, you will find a way because money is not the same as happiness. And I think a lot of times when you travel a lot, um, that you come to this point where you find and meet people in the world that are not money or capitalist or whatever driven. They find their passions and it really does help you find 
yourself even um, and know yourself. You know, my husband is, is, he's a nuclear engineer and he doesn't have a passion for what he's doing. He's very good at it and he's very intelligent. And I mean, you have to be intelligent to do that job and he makes very good money and he's relatively happy, but he was never in his life encouraged the way that I was to find something he really, really loves and follow it. And I feel badly for him because, you know, a lot of times he'll say, well, I just don't really, I don't really know what my passion is. I don't really know. I mean, there's things he likes, but he says he doesn't really know. And I just find it so, I mean, I just went on this little bird walk here, but I just find it really sad that, you know, when we take away things like out of schools, music and foreign language and field trips are going away. I mean, there's very few field trips anymore. I mean, when we take these things away from kids, these are things that 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 make kids get up. Some kids get up in the morning. They don't have these things, you know. It's so, so sad to me. So, you know, I, I just I just want to encourage my son. My, both my sons to to follow their dreams and in helping them do that we we visit a lot of different places um another thing about daniel is that as you know i've said this many times in many different places that he he has autism and i find with the autism community um parents of autistic children. Now it's very, very difficult to raise a child with autism. I- I'm not gonna lie. It is one of the most difficult parts of my life is raising a child with autism. However, I find in the community of autism parents that a lot of parents don't think that they can travel with their kids. They don't think that they can go out and um, take their kids out. They kind of hide and shy away. They, they, I mean, autism is, it's hard because a lot of times, uh, you know, autistic people have a hard time with change or with things that are unexpected or um, with trying new things. I have always said about Daniel, Excuse me, I had to get a drink of water there. Um, I've always said about Daniel, I will never let him use his autism as an excuse to hide, to not do something, to not live to his fullest potential. And so I travel with Daniel and I've traveled with Daniel since he was a baby Daniel has probably been on more airplanes. He had probably been on more airplanes by the time he was two than a lot of adults. Daniel has learned about the differences in people around the world. He has learned about the differences in the way people live around our country. Daniel has learned that things don't always go the way that we plan when we travel. That's a huge skill right there. I mean, think about how often, um, you know, air flights get delayed or canceled or you have to go through another airport or something happens. 
he has learned those things. He has learned skills about, okay, we cannot, you know, we can't do this or we have to wait or there's nothing we can do about it. And while he is still extremely um, situationally rigid compared to a lot of people, he is extremely flexible when it comes to certain things. And we are building skills in him to help him become more and more situationally flexible. Daniel, I mean, it's stereotypical of autistic kids that they won't eat anything, right? That they have certain foods, only certain foods that they'll eat. Daniel will eat anything. There's one thing he won't eat, and I think it's sensory, and that's rice. So he, you know, he will eat anything. He will try things. He is a very outgoing child. You know, you think of an autistic person being super uh, introverted, but Daniel, Daniel is extremely extroverted. He likes to meet new people. He likes to talk to new people. Now, granted, he likes to talk to people about what he wants to talk about, which usually has something to do with his current perseveration. Right now, it's clocks. I think I talked about that a few weeks ago. Clocks. (laughs) Coldplay's clocks. Um, But he, you know, he's extremely social and he'll talk to you. And I I, I truly believe that Daniel is... um, is able to deal with situations and be flexible in lots of different situations because he has been exposed to travel. Um, And, you know, there's a quote by Mark Twain. I don't know if any of you have read The Innocence Abroad. I, I absolutely love Mark Twain's travel stuff. He, he's, he's brilliant. But he says that travel is fatal to prejudice, bigotry, and narrow-mindedness. And many of our people need it sorely on these accounts. Broad, wholesome, charitable views of men and things cannot be acquired by vegetating in one little corner of the earth all of one's lifetime. Mark Twain was a huge proponent of getting out there and connecting with people. And, you know, I travel a lot. I'm on a plane probably 30 or so times a year. Um, And I hate flying. But I hate flying because I don't like that big, huge hunk of metal up in the air. I mean, I'm a... I am not a science person. I mean, my husband will be like, oh, it's just physics and this is how this works and this is how that works and no, 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 no. And I'm like, okay, big hunk of metal in the air. But anyway, um, I digress. Um, my husband rarely travels with me. He he He's a homebody. I mean, he really believes in all of this stuff, but he would much rather go out and camp and be in nature. And that is important too, you know, going out and being in nature. So we always say we have a very balanced um, raising of our children because I'm the type of person that um, I like to have um, running water in a bed. Now, one of my dreams is to go visit uh, uh, Sub-Saharan Africa and if I do that, I'm probably going to have to uh, 
go camping first to kind of, but I mean, they, they camp like you might say, oh yeah, there's running water and stuff at, at campgrounds. Yeah. Well, the, the camping that my husband does is not, there's none. So anyway, um, we have a very balanced, you know, he takes the kids out into nature and I take them into other cultures. But anyway, so there was this one time he, he comes with me maybe on one trip a year. And because we try to get away without the kids. And two years ago now, that was 2020. So this had been two years ago. I was speaking uh, at a conference in New Orleans, at Actful, actually, in New Orleans. And um, so he's like, I, I really would like to go to New Orleans. So he went with me. And we're sitting in the seat. And the, they come on to do the safety video. And I said to him, I said, David, you know, he's got his headphones on. He's already started his movie. And I'm tapping him, going, David, you got to watch the safety video. And he goes, oh, my gosh. Why do you care if we watch the safety video? You are on a plane like 30 times a year. Haven't you seen this safety video over and over and over again? Like, don't you know? And I'm like, well, the first time I don't watch the safety video is the time that something happens, right? This happened to have been a new safety video on Delta. They change their safety videos a couple of times a year. So sometimes, you know, I'm not watching the same one. And this happened to be one of those times. And I'm glad I watched it. And I made sure to pull out my cell phone and record this safety video on the way back from New Orleans because it had an amazing message in it. And it starts out like this. We are a planet of amazing differences, one of cultures and ideas that span our world and link us to each other. And then they say, you know, whoever you are, whatever you, wherever you're going, we're happy to fly you there. And the last line of that is the first step toward connection is departure. Yes. I screamed, yes. And they're all, people are looking at me like, what is wrong with that woman? Um, but honestly, it was, I, I saw that and I was like, Delta Airlines, you are amazing. Like they, they get it because it's true. Um, you can't change your ideas and connect, truly connect with others without leaving your comfort zone. Okay. So first of all, travel is leaving your comfort zone. You grow when you allow yourself to leave your comfort zone. And so, you know, this could be with anything, but leaving your comfort zone is the only way that growth happens. And the more children travel and the more parents give children that education, the more children grow and grow that frontal lobe, that prefrontal cortex. So I, I distinguish, I'm, I'm actually writing a new book right now about traveling with intent. And I've coined this term traveling with intent. Well, what is traveling with intent? You know, like is going on a cruise traveling? Let me give you an example. My, my definition of traveling. So let me go back for a second. There's a quote that says, 
A tourist sees what he wants to see. A traveler sees what he sees. That's powerful. A tourist sees what he wants to see. A travel, a traveler sees what he sees. Another quote, if you reject the food, ignore the culture, custom, sorry, fear the religion and avoid the people, you might as well stay home. If you reject the food, ignore the customs, fear the religion and avoid the people, you might as well stay home. Wow. Just wow. So this means that if you're going on a trip, okay, so you can go on a trip and not travel at all. When you travel, you are traveling outside of your comfort zone, A, and B, you are traveling to connect with people who are different and experiences who are different than yourself and your own. So traveling with intent means traveling to connect with other humans and cultures, to learn and gain skills, and again, step out of your comfort zone. I went on a cruise. So in 2016, my son, Daniel, my oldest, I talk about him a lot, um, got really ill and he had to be airlifted to Seattle Children's. And we were in the hospital for a good long time. And when he got out of the hospital, David and I needed a break. So we went um, on a cruise to Belize and to Central America. It was Belize and Honduras and Cozumel, Mexico. And it was very relaxing and it was a lot of fun and we spent a lot of time together. But cruising is just not my jam, folks. <laughs> I, I do not enjoy cruising. My mother is going to be like, I did not raise you. No, my mother is a cruise fanatic, but I, cruising, cruising is not for me. And I'll tell you why. Every time I visit a place and I'm with on a cruise, it's like... You go on a cruise, no matter where you go, there's, I mean, it's full of other Americans and they just want to go see stuff or lay on the beach or whatever and drink. We stopped in Rotan, Honduras, and we were driving to go to this, um, up into the uh, rainforest to see the capuchin monkeys. That I loved. I absolutely loved to see the, those capuchin monkeys. Now the macaws, the wild macaws, they landed, one landed on my head. I am terrified of birds. I'm sure Megan, our director of school operations is listening and laughing because I am absolutely terrified of birds. And this humongous macaw landed on my head and it was not fun, but I was screaming, but those capuchin monkeys are pretty silly. So anyway, we went, we're driving up there and it took a little while. Bus came, picked us up at the, at the terminal, um, cruise terminal and drove us up into the hills. And as we're on there, uh, on the bus, I have my face glued out the window and I'm just fascinated watching people just live their lives. There were people who were, um, hanging laundry out to dry there were chickens running around. There were people who were out chopping fruit or picking, picking fruit and picking vegetables. Um, 
They said that only 20% of the island has electricity. And it's all in the tourist part where people go to stay in like the resorts and stuff. Um, and I, I just, I was fascinated just watching people and everywhere we, we would get off the boat and I, I would ask, you know, Hey, what do you guys really eat here? We got off the boat in Mexico and we were hungry. We didn't really want to eat on the ship. So we went into, you know, one of the tourist places near the cruise terminal and got, nachos and I, I looked at the waiter and I asked him in Spanish well first of all my Spanish is terrible and David's like why do you keep trying to speak Spanish why do you keep asking people what they really eat why do you care and I said I care because I want to know about them every time I would ask someone about their culture and themselves they had this appreciation that somebody was actually coming on a cruise, because they're used to, you know, people getting off and just doing their thing, you know, but I really, I, I really craved that cultural connection and learning about the people. I mean, I, if I'm going to go travel to a beach somewhere, um, I'll go travel to a beach and I will lay there and it will it will be a beach vacation, but if I'm going to go to another country, I, I have to have some kind of connection to the culture. I don't want to stay with my, my own nationality the entire time. I don't, I mean, I want to interact with the people who actually live in these countries and that's really, really important to me. And when you go as a tourist, like I see tourists all the time in France and it makes me crazy. This is one of my biggest pet peeves. It is so important in French culture to always say bonjour anytime you're entering somewhere. Bonjour. And you see these American tourists who walk up and go, hi back or they don't even say bonjour. And I'm like, how hard is it to say bonjour? I mean, you don't even have to say it like like that. You could say bonjour, you know, or whatever. I mean, that that makes my ears hurt. My ears or my teeth hurt or whatever. But it's not hard to make that small gesture to connect and recognize that you are in somebody else's country. And this is what's extremely important to me is because when you travel with children, they have this awareness that they are not, they are part of a greater humanity, that there are other people in this world and that their culture is not the most important, but we're all important as humans and we all should treat each other with respect and dignity and and all of that and treat each other as human beings. So it for me, it's it's extremely it's extremely important to travel with intent to connect instead of just, you know, being a tourist. I'm sorry. I I know I'm going to have some teachers coming at me for this, but the I see a lot of companies that prey on teachers. Take your students to France. 
get on the bus, get off the bus, get on the bus, get off the bus. I think that's a disservice to our students. That's why I've really worked hard. And one of my projects that I have made sure that I've integrated into the school is a real integrative um, travel program where students are getting a true global education. They're getting linguistic education. They're getting those cultural connections. They're having the opportunity to connect with other human beings. So I really would like to encourage you as teachers to not just go with the, we're going to give you a bus and a guide and organize everything and your students are just going to go see things, but actual programs that help your students interact. Right now we're working, we have our program at Cavi Lamb, but right now we're also working on a program um, in Switzerland that I hope will be wonderful um, on peace and diplomacy and um, an ambassadorship. And I think that, you know, those types of programs where students are allowed to go out of their comfort zones. I see so many parents that are so afraid of letting their students or letting their children feel some cultural discomfort or feel some discomfort. But we can't grow if we never feel uncomfortable. Ever. It's really hard. And you know what? You can become comfortable with new experiences. But you're still pushing yourself because you're willing to try those new experiences. So let's talk about uh, why people don't travel uh, and why people choose uh, or why people choose tourist type things instead of traveling with intent. And so I'm going to go over a few myths here that that come up all the time. The first myth is it's expensive. So let me tell you a little story about travel being expensive. First of all, there is a great, I love quotes. There's a great quote that says, travel is the only thing you buy that makes you richer. And it is so true. It's the only thing you buy that makes you richer. And there there are so many families out there that they say, oh, we're going to go to Disneyland. Let's go to Disneyland instead. But they say that Europe is too expensive or Asia is too expensive. I'm going to tell you my Disneyland story. So I had to go speak at a conference in Anaheim, and I was going to be right down the street from Disneyland. So I said, you know, my mom has been begging and begging and begging to take my kids to Disneyland. She thinks it's so important for all kids to go to Disneyland. Personally, I'm probably going to have a lot of you coming at me for this, but personally, I am not a fan of Disneyland. I would much rather not go to Disneyland. I would rather take my children to uh, places where they can see real castles with real, uh, where real royalty lived rather than uh, Disneyland and the uh, fake Disney princess and her fake Prince Charming. But I digress. Um, so I said to my mom, I'm going to be at this conference down the street from Disneyland. 
here's your opportunity to take the kids to Disneyland. And then my husband said, oh, well, I haven't ever been to Disneyland. I want to go to Disneyland. So my mom organized going to Disneyland while I was working at the conference. And I, I went the last day because, you know, I, I still was going to go and, and spend time with my family. But um, so they went to Disneyland for three days while I was speaking at the conference. And then there was a fourth day. They spent a whopping 14 grand at Disneyland. Tickets, all the junk that your kids always want you to buy. And of course, my mother cannot say no to my children. It is a grandmother thing. I have decided that like when you're a mother, you say no to your kids like all the time. Had I asked for that kind of stuff, my mom would have said no. But nope, it's always yes with their grandkids. Um, if you're a grandparent, I'm sure you know that dynamic. But anyway, um, that was not the hotel. That was not the flights down to California. That was just Disneyland. 14 grand is what they spent there. Now, 14 grand and you go to Disneyland for four days, you could easily spend two weeks in Europe. I'm not kidding. So there are lots of ways that you can save money. Um, shop for airfare, you know, on certain days. Uh, there's all sorts of tips and tricks that you can you can save money. And, you know, honestly, uh, Europe has great public transportation. Uh, I've actually never been to Asia, but my brother has. And... Um, I have, uh, I know a lot of people who've been there. It's on my list. I'm, 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 I think Asia or Africa will be my next. I've been to the African, I've been to Africa, um, just Northern Africa, but I think, uh, I think, uh, Senegal will be my next destined new destination. Um, but Asia is definitely on my list to take the kids as well. Um, and, you know, there's lots of different ways. It, you know, you can you can go as a tourist and pay through the nose. Or you can go as tr a traveler and spend very, very little. I mean, you travel in the low season if you have the opportunity. Stay in a hostel or an apartment hotel. Cook. Use public transportation or walk. Visit the grocery store. I mean, think about how linguistically rich the grocery store is. And then what a great place to connect with people as well. Eat at restaurants outside of the tourist areas because they price gouge in, in the tourist areas for sure. Um, the second excuse I always hear is, oh, my kids are too young. They won't remember it. Okay. But you could say the same thing about taking your three-year-old to Disneyland. Actually, when you travel with your kids, they may not remember it per se, but the skills in the brain are there forever. So it helps them to, to develop skills that will carry with that they will carry with them for their entire lives. And you know. It's important to show young children how large the world is and how complex it is. Children from a very young age can, can have this realization that they are not alone in the world, if that makes sense. 
it, it promotes empathy and positive social messaging. We get all of our social messaging from the people around us. If we expand the connections and we expand the people around us, we get greater positive social messaging. It shows that we are connected as human beings and it gives us increased situational flexibility. So just like my son, Daniel, uh, my dog just took a piece of plastic. I'm sorry. He just took a piece of plastic and he's like, sorry, I just took it away from him because I'm sure you can hear the crinkling in the background. We have an office dog here. He's my, my beagle named Oscar. He's a travel dog too. This, this dog will travel. He, we just got him, but he, he's going to travel with us. Um, and so we're getting them all certified so he can be Daniel's service dog so he can travel with us. But anyway, um, it promotes critical thinking and develops the prefrontal cortex and increased situational flexibility. I already talked to you about that. It gives confidence and boosts self-esteem because when students and children can, can solve a problem or work through a problem, which happens when we travel, right? It, it really makes a difference. The next myth is that it's dangerous or I'm scared. And okay, so there's a word. Fear of travel is called hodophobia. And think about it. We often fear what is different or unknown. This is the part about getting out of your comfort zone. Fear is what is unknown or what is different. You have to have the courage to step out of your comfort zone and experience something new and different. So here's some other points on this. Poor does not equal dangerous. Just because a place is not as economically or socioeconomically developed as another place doesn't make it dangerous. A difference in religion also does not equal dangerous. People are afraid of terrorism abroad. And I always say, oh my gosh, okay, this is a big one. They think about terrorism in Europe. First of all, more people are killed by white guys with guns in the United States than in terrorist attacks. So in the United States in 2015, these are the stat, uh, statistics I, I pulled for the book. In 2015, there were approximately 35,000 gun deaths in the United States. And 13,018 of those were homicides by white men. Okay, and I say white men because terrorist attacks are often thought of as being, um, you know, the Islamic State or something like that. So there are less than less than one person, so 0.23 people per million 
are killed per year in a terrorist attack in the European Union. You are more likely, here's a statistic that I found that was when I was writing the book that I thought was really funny. 20 Americans are killed by cows per year. 20 Americans are killed by cows per year. And people laugh at this when I tell them that. But it's true. You are more likely to be killed by a cow than you are in a terrorist attack abroad. And just as granted, life is not safe. Tomorrow is never guaranteed. Do you know what is the number one killer of Americans? Their own bodies. In America, over 1 million people are killed per year by heart disease, cancer, and diabetes. Those are the number one killers in the United States. So when people tell me it's dangerous or it's scary, the only, what I respond to is, it's not dangerous. You're scared because you don't want to take the risk to go outside of your comfort zone. And until you take the risk, you will never truly live, nor will you grow. Traveling shows that you can overcome your fear. Right? So last year in France, there was this whole thing about the gilet jaune or the yellow vests. And... I was in Lyon. I was for my spring meetings. I was, I was at my spring meetings and I was in Lyon with uh, visiting a friend of mine after my meetings were over. And in the middle of the Place Belcourt uh, there in Lyon, which is the main square there, they were having a gilet jaune protest. I told my friend, I said, look, we hear a lot of scary things about these gilet jaunes over in the U.S. I want to go talk to one of them. And my friend goes, Okay. I said, do you think they'll talk to me? He said, sure, they'll talk to you. And we, I, I told my husband um, afterwards, I went and talked to the gilet jaune and he goes, are you kidding me? Those people are dangerous. What are you doing? And I said, this proves that you've only been hearing a one-sided news on these people. So I went up and talked to them and they were extremely nice very nice people. They weren't doing anything. They weren't causing any harm. They were doing nothing. They wanted to get their message out. And people, the issue here is that in France, they protest everything. If you're in France and there's not a protest, I mean, there's something wrong. Honestly, uh, protest day in France is also called Tuesday. Let's just put it that way. They, they protest everything. So the the difference with these protests was that it was a people, working class people who were protesting. Oh, he's got the plastic again. The dog has the plastic again. <laughs> but they were working class people, right? They weren't. You know, they weren't doing anything, but but they were made out to be dangerous because they weren't the top wealthy people. And so they were being discriminated against by socioeconomic status. And I didn't agree with everything the guy told me. He talked to me for a while and we had a nice conversation and he took a picture with me and I didn't agree with what, everything he said. And you don't have to agree. And that's another big thing that happens with travel is you find out 
that you don't have to agree with everything. And you can still be friends with people or you can still get along with people. It is not necessary. I mean, think about it. Wouldn't this world be boring if we all thought the same thing? I always say to people, I don't care. You can disagree with me or whatever. And me disagreeing with you, it's not against you. I just disagree. As long as you're not saying anything hateful or prejudicial to me, you and I can be great friends and disagree. That's fine. And I didn't agree with what he was saying. However, hearing his side of the events and the story made things uh, made me more open and more compassionate to his plight, to how he felt about the situation. And I could put myself in his shoes. And that's the other thing is that, you know, with my son being autistic, he has um, a hard time with developing empathy. And I believe that traveling has helped him be more empathetic. So anyway, those are some of the, the, the reasons why people don't travel. And I, I think I've, I've, I've dispelled some of that. And travel is an incredibly enriching and experience of growth. And so I want to encourage you out there, if you have children, make the world your classroom. Start with short trips if you're, if you're unsure. But travel is beneficial at all ages. And plus, I always say give the gift of experiences and not things because those experiences are going to last a lifetime. Whereas things, you know, how many things do you have piled into your house after Christmas? Seriously. Um, I mean, it's amazing how experiences, like I said, they'll last a lifetime rather than, you know, just giving things and, and, and it helps you connect with other people. So go out there Um, Next time you take a trip, go out there, find something where you can really connect and learn about other people in this world. Thank you so much for listening today. Um, I really enjoyed talking about travel. As always, if you have any questions or have anything to contribute to the conversation, please feel free to visit us at www.bvwla.com. That's B as in boy, V as in Victor. WLA.com. I do have the teacher training coming out very soon on language with the five senses. Like I said, I lost everything that I had been working on. So I'm working on it again. Um, That will come out soon. It will be free for a while and then it will be $50. It's a lot of great information. Um, And I think that that you'll really enjoy it. So I I will let you know when that's out. And like I said, it'll be free for about a week um, and then it'll, it'll have a cost to it. We always have our free teacher resources that you can access in our drive. It's a work in progress. (laughs) Keep that in mind, a work in progress. We're always adding stuff. A lot of the stuff is in French or Spanish. Um, I speak French, so and I develop a lot, but we're working on getting it into other languages. Um, And I just love to hear from everyone. Share with me your experiences. I'm always excited to hear from all of you and learn about what you're doing. Thank you so much for listening today, and I will... Talk again next week. Merci. Au revoir.